Hey, friends. Happy Sunday. Like Pete said, I'm Justin. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm really glad to see you. Thanks for making this part of your day. Uh, this Sunday is our first week of our Lent sermon series. And so before we get to the message, I just want to tell you or remind you what Lent is. I thought that might be a little bit helpful. Lent begins with Ash Wednesday, and it ends with Easter Sunday. And you'd be especially likely in our church community to miss that Lent already began this year because it started on February 22nd, which happened to coincide with a very large snowstorm. And so we ended up canceling our Ash Wednesday service for everyone's safety. I was super bummed about it, though. I mean, I want everybody to be safe, but I love that service, and I was so sad it didn't happen. I wonder, I didn't ask Becca, but um, Becca, our one of our, you know, our youth pastor here, um, at the end, she takes um, ashes and then, you know, puts them, you know, puts it on your, on your forehead, right? And uh, in that, it's being reminded of our mortality and our need for a Savior. And so that's, you know, you know, Becca is pretty bubbly, right? But I wonder whether she sort of likes doing that and having a moment to say, we're all going to die someday. <laughs> I don't know. You could ask her. Uh, but even though we didn't have an official Ash Wednesday service this year, we can still use these weeks to prepare our hearts as we move towards Easter. Uh, one thing that you could do uh, to help yourself with that would be during Lent, you know, many Christians voluntarily give up or limit something important to them for a few weeks. And that practice is called fasting. You may have heard of it. Fasting does a few things. It tends to sharpen our spiritual awareness. And when we notice or miss the thing that we are limiting or removing, it creates a reminder for us to pray. So it also increases, for most of us, the amount of prayer that we're doing day to day. And fasting also gives us a small taste of sacrifice. And we all know that Jesus' sacrifice for us was very large, right? When we do something by sacrificing a smaller thing, even if it's big to us, we are, we are actually bringing ourselves in line with Christ and saying, Jesus, I'm reminded of how much you gave up for me, and I'm giving up this, this little thing. Um, thank you for this opportunity to have just even a little bit of taste of being um, in line with you and aligned with what you went through, okay? So, you know, it's basically Jesus' sacrifice and resurrection that Easter weekend is all about, and so fasting can help us get connected to those things. This Lenten season, I decided to limit something. It's something small, and it might sound stupid to you. I decided to make a smaller coffee instead of a bigger coffee. That's what I decided to do. Now, uh, for somebody who isn't into coffee, maybe that's not a big deal to give up. But I drink coffee every single morning. And I make a very large one every single morning. And I'm somewhat of a coffee snob. I do my own pour over and things like that, right? So there's kind of like this whole ritual that I do in the morning. And I enjoy it very much. Um, here's what I've found is I've decided to make a smaller coffee instead of the normal size one that I would make. Since February 22nd, as I go and I get ready to prepare my coffee and I get all my gear together and I grind my beans and all that stuff, I more than once have had this moment where I go, oh, I'm doing a smaller coffee now. Okay, when that happens, I go through the process and I am reminded, as I'm doing a smaller coffee, I'm reminded of why I am. 
And so in that moment, I say a prayer, right? It's a daily reminder for me to say an extra prayer. I thank Jesus for giving up his rights and his comfort in order to come and save me. And then I also find, as I make my smaller copy, that I have greater gratitude for it as I drink it. I did not expect that to happen. I think that that's kind of cool. You might already be fasting from something if you're a person who does that for Lent. But if not, it's not too late to start. You could still do that. And I would encourage you to think about something that you could do. Like you could try to give up or limit something small like I'm doing this year. Or you could try to go for something bigger. Like fasting from food for like uh, maybe one meal a day or one day a week or maybe a few days in a row. Or you could give up TV or limit your TV. That one hurts a little more than food for a lot of people. <laughs> what would we do without your favorite show, you know? Um, it would be interesting to see. Maybe God's actually moving on your heart to see what would happen if you were to limit or take out something like that. Just to, just to make sure that you know how this works, though, the goal is to connect you to Jesus and increase your awareness of God, okay? It's meant to kind of like increase your prayer and things like that. It's not to prove anything to anybody else, and it's not to earn God's love because you already are fully loved by God. doesn't matter whether you fast or not as far as whether God loves you fully or not, okay? It's going to be fine. You're fully loved and accepted by God. So let's get to our new series right now. This series is going to be five weeks, and I'm excited to kick it off. It's based upon the lyrics of a song, a worship song that we sing here. We actually sang it this very morning. It's the song, All Things Rise. We sang it this morning. You can expect to sing it every week up until and including Easter, and I bet we'll know the song pretty well by then if you're coming every week, and I hope you do. Today, we're focusing on the line of the song that says, O Lord, our God, your goodness is free and boundless. God's goodness is one of the main themes of the Old Testament. In the book of Exodus, chapter 33, God tells Moses, I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. How cool is it, I bet, to have God say, I know your name. Then Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. And the Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. In his goodness, God chose to have mercy and compassion on Moses. God also chooses to have mercy and compassion on all the people of Israel. God also chooses to have mercy and compassion on us, every single one of us. God's goodness is also highlighted in Psalm 107, uh, verse 1, where King David, uh, King David wrote this. It says this, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. And in that uh, particular psalm, that is sort of like this repetitive thing where if you've maybe seen that one, it's like it keeps on going, His faithful love endures forever. It was set up so that the people of God would say that over and over and over again. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. It's pivotal that God is good. In Hosea 3, the prophet says that in the last days, all of God's people will do these things. They will return to the Lord. They will devote themselves to a king who is descended from King David. 
and they will all be in awe of God's goodness. That's what it says in Hosea. Jesus is a descendant of King David. Did you know that? Jesus is that promised king. And we're in those last days where God's goodness is being revealed. How fortunate are we? God's goodness is free and boundless, and God's promise is to make us free and boundless too. That's what I want us to know today. Of the thousands of worship songs that have been written through the Vineyard uh, family of churches, All Things Rise, is probably the one that's closest to a hymn. Anyone come from a background in your church history where you sang hymns? You know, where you had the, yeah, the, the hymnal that you opened up and you follow along? Um, the melody reminds me of the songs that I would, you know, see in the hymnal in my Methodist upbringing. I'd open it up and I would follow along and choose which melody I wanted to try to sing or whether I was going to try a harmony. Um, it also has lots of words, as, Tim, as hymns tend to. Some of the words are pretty big. They'd probably score pretty well on Scrabble. If you use them in everyday conversation, you'd either impress or really confuse your friends. What happened? I don't know what that word means or what happened to my friend, right? Um, there's a reason songs like that are wordy. The hymns tend to be wordy because they actually include a little bit more theology, more things about God, and in, like kind of they're almost trying to instruct us about God or say more things about the depth of God and God's activity than a song that's more simple. And I love the simple songs that we do here too. There's place for both of those things, right? Um, I love that we get to sing simple songs to Jesus and be reminded of our relationship and that God is present here among us. I also love that we can have something that's theologically deeper that says more about God's activity in our lives. You might be interested to know a little bit about the author of All Things Rise, the song. His name is Sam Yoder. He grew up uh, as an old order Amish person. That's like super seriously for realsy Amish, okay? But now he's a member of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. He's a skilled songwriter. He also wrote the song Wonderful that we sing here on Sundays at a good amount of time and a bunch of other things. And he also makes music under the name Silicone Boone, okay? Um, some of his friends sometimes call him Silicone. So, <laughs> um, Silicone Boone put out a concept album recently, and it combines some themes. Get ready for these themes. It combines the themes of space exploration, alien contact, and faith. Uh, I thought you actually might like to see him and hear some Silicone Boone. And so, we've got two minutes, like the last two minutes of one of their songs. They did a, they did a video for Tiny Desk if you know what Tiny Desk is, and it actually got, uh, uh, got selected by Tiny Desk as their, as their video of the week. And so here is Silicone Boone coming up.
that's pretty cool. Now, would you uh, believe that Sam's main gig isn't songwriting? Would you believe that even though he writes awesome worship songs, he hardly ever leads worship? The, uh, the guitar player uh, behind him playing the electric guitar is his brother, and he's actually the main worship leader, the worship pastor at the Campbellsville Vineyard. And just as a sidebar, every person that was playing in that band goes to the Campbellsville Vineyard uh, with, with Sam, and he didn't even come up with the idea of doing that. They said, you know, we love this music. Why don't we just make something cool together? And so they just got together, and they did that, and it's awesome. I think it's a super cool picture of, you know, community and creativity. But he's not the main worship leader at his church. I've never seen him lead worship, in fact. Um, would you believe that he's actually a chiropractor? He is. It is all true. Okay? So Sam's a friend of mine. And, of course, I was thinking about him this week as I was preaching a sermon based upon one of his songs. And so I texted him and just kind of caught up a little bit. At the end, I asked him if he had anything to say about the song, All Things Rise, that we sang this morning. I thought, hey, wouldn't that be a cool little thing if I could get like a, a word from the actual songwriter? And what happened was something that might happen with me if you asked me about one of my songs. His answer in text was, uh, let me think about that. And then he never got back to me. <laughs> So, sometimes it's easier to write the song than it is to explain it, right? So, anyway, I think his song says enough on its own. We're going to look at it a little bit together. But first, let's play a game for a minute. All you need to do is, you don't have to say it out loud, but think of one of your very favorite songs. I'll give you a second. Think of one of your very favorite songs. I'm going to look at some of you and wonder what, it, what your favorite song might be. Okay, so once you have it, I'm going to make a guess about it. I'm going to guess that a bunch of our favorite songs do one of two things, and then maybe they do both. I bet many of these songs describe a relational situation of some sort. Would that be true? How many of you had a song that describes a relational situation of some sort? That's a lot of us, right? Um, I would also guess that... Uh, maybe some of those same songs and probably some other ones tell a story of some sort. Do a number of those songs tell a story? Okay, yeah, see a lot of hands about that. All right, now the pop charts right now are like they always are. I went and looked at what the current top 20 is, and um, so many of them are about relational situations, and they're usually messed up, okay? Uh, if you check the top 20 right now, You'd hear The weekend singing, uh, he's sweetly singing that he'd die or lie or kill for his lover. That's very sweet. Isn't that sweet? Okay. Um, Sis has got one that's super catchy. I love it, right? The thing that's cool about it is it's super catchy, but it's really disturbing at the same time. The chorus goes, I just killed my ex, not the best idea. Anyway. So, at least admitting that's not the way to go, it might be a little bit late, though, you know, if you've already done it. So, Taylor Swift has a song, Antihero, that I actually attempted to sing on Friday when I was playing with Rena uh, at, a, at a distillery. Um, I love that song, and she's either saying this about herself and being playful about it, or she's putting her, 
herself in the shoes of somebody who is a narcissist and saying, eventually, you're going to figure out that I'm a narcissist and you're going to leave me just like everybody else. That's basically the concept of that song, okay? The song Flowers is really popular right now. Miley Cyrus sings about being better off alone than with the selfish person that she's left. I'm fully in favor of that. That's a, that's a, that's a great thing. So, the strife of relationships is not just a right now thing in the top 20. For the older ones among us, do you remember Mr. Rick Springfield? He wanted his friend's girlfriend, right? He very much wanted Jesse's girl, right? Okay. Or there's the pop standard called You Always Hurt the One You Love. Does anyone know that song? That was probably more like, yeah, okay. All right. That song has been recorded by tons of people. It was a hit in 1944, 1945, 1961. Years beyond that, it was a hit in the UK as well. In 2010, Ryan Gosling sang it, okay? Um, there was a parody version by Spike Jones where it was like, you always hurt, and there's this noise where, like that, the one you love. That was the only version that I thought existed. I thought that was the real one because that was the first one I heard. That's how cover tunes work, by the way. The first time you hear it, you think that that's it, even if it was around for 50 years before that. So if your favorite song um, wasn't about a relationship, it might have been about a story, it might have been about both. And, you know, some of those song story uh, ones that come to mind are things like Charlie Daniels, who told us that the devil went to Georgia to fiddle for somebody's soul, as the devil often does. Right? Be prepared, right? Maybe the thing that you're best at, the devil shows up and says, you know, I don't know. Let's account for your soul. Let's do accounting. I don't know. Spreadsheet. <laughs> uh, or there's Don McLean who would uh, take us along in his Chevy. He would drive to the levee. And unfortunately, the levee was dry. It's a real sad story. The Eagles got us into the Hotel California, right? And if you look at the lyrics of the song, they never got us out. Apparently, you can never leave, okay? Pearl Jam told us about Jeremy. He spoke in class today, right? And Eminem has this song where he puts himself in there because the song is about somebody who was stalking him and sending him letters and letters and letters and trying to meet him everywhere and then eventually blamed him for every problem in his life. That song is called Stan, if you want to look it up. My friend, Dan, uh, my friend Dan Wilt, he's one of my mentors, likes to say songs are a place that we go. And I think that that's true. Good songs take us somewhere, mentally and emotionally, don't they? And that's especially true of a good worship song. Uh, good worship songs take us closer to God in our minds and hearts and spirits. That's what they're designed to do. They invite us into a deeper place with God. The song, All Things Rise, is one of those songs for me. It takes me into a deeper relationship with God. It, and, it, and it does both of those things I just talked about. It describes a relational situation, and then it invites us into a story. It's really, really well crafted. Verse 1 describes our broken relationship with God. So it's about relationship. That song is about our relationship with God. Verse 2 describes how Jesus went from scorn and death to victory and resurrection. The chorus 
invites us into God's new story for all of creation. And then the rest of the verses give us a picture of walking through this life with Jesus. The bridge in the end verse remind us that Jesus is alive, that God's promises are trustworthy, and that one day everything will be made right. So Jesus will bring resurrection life to all creation and make everything new. That's the new story. That's the story, actually, of the entire arc of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. It's also the story that includes our relationship with God. And so somehow, Sam is able to do all of that in one song. It's really amazing to me. In the Old Testament, before the coming of Jesus, 2 Chronicles 6.41 had a prayer that asked something of God. It said, Now arise, Lord God, and come to your resting place, you in the ark of your might. May your priests, Lord God, be clothed with salvation. May your faithful people rejoice in your goodness. That was the request. And it's through Jesus that God answers that prayer. In the Jewish tradition, the role of the priest was to have direct connection with God and help uh, bring people into right relationship with God. So the priest was the one who uh, took the sacrifice that the person brought and then kind of like prepared it and then actually offered it before the Lord, okay? They offered it on the person's behalf. And so they were the go-between, they were the mediator, okay? In Old Testament times, only a few people were set apart to be priests, but then Jesus arrives and changes everything, as Jesus has a tendency to do. Jesus shows up as God's perfect, powerful, promised high priest. He's all of those things. He's perfect, he's powerful, he's the promised one, and he's God's high priest. He's the only one who's able to bring every single person into right relationship with God. And he does it not with one song, but with one one sacrifice. In the Exodus passage that we read earlier, God says he will have mercy and compassion on anyone he wants, anyone he chooses. In other words, God is free. God is free to give mercy and compassion to anyone. God can do whatever God wants to do. In Jesus, we get a clear picture of what God chooses to do with his freedom to give compassion and mercy. God didn't need to come and save us. God's fine and full and in triune relationship without doing anything at all. God chose to come and save us. So in Jesus, God chose to leave heaven and comfort and identify with us. God chose to become one of us. Do you think about the limitation that God takes upon himself in, in, in that sense very often? Every once in a while I do, you know? Jesus, before coming, Jesus preexisted, but at, when he comes, he becomes a human and he stays a human the entire rest of the way. He's chosen limitation in some way for the rest of eternity for you and me. He becomes one of us, and he lived the perfect life that none of us could live. And Jesus did not do anything to deserve being executed on a cross. He allowed us humans to nail him to it. We did our worst as humanity. 
And somehow, Jesus doesn't hold it against us. He forgives us instead. He not only forgives us for that, he forgives us for everything. So Jesus is the perfect priest who loves us enough to sacrifice his very self. And his sacrifice is enough for every single one of us, anyone who would come to him. And then Jesus, the sacrifice priest, he rises from the dead, if you know the story. He rises from the dead in three days, and he proves that he's also the king of creation. Jesus is alive right now, although he was once dead. And so today, Jesus, the risen king of all creation, invites every single person to be forgiven and to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to follow him today and to be in eternal life with God and God's people. It's a great story. It's true. It's not made up. And Jesus didn't have to do any of those things. He chose to come for us, to die for us, to save us, even though we didn't do anything to deserve it. Because God's goodness is free. You can see God's goodness all over the place, not just in the cross. You can see it every time you open your eyes outside and take in the beauty of creation. The beauty of a sunset, the beauty of a sunrise, those are free. The beauty of, like, the beautiful sound of rain, uh, you know, falling on a roof or falling on the ground, that's free. The breeze touching your skin in the summer when it's hot, that's free. I was thinking about it today as I was walking my dog very, very early in the morning. The peace and quiet in the new snow. I love it, and it's free. We don't earn those moments of beauty. I didn't do anything special this morning to have that experience in the snow. And the same is true of forgiveness and healing and eternal life. We can't earn those either. And that's okay because those are all free too. God offers them to us as gifts. Those are all gifts of God. Scripture says there is joy in heaven every time someone repents and turns towards Jesus. And I was thinking about this, and maybe today is your day to repent and turn to Jesus if you've never done that. I'm going to make a place where we could maybe just, if you wouldn't mind closing your eyes, if you have done this kind of prayer and offered yourself to Jesus before, maybe just um, ask that God would meet anybody else who's doing this right now or be reminded of, of how, this is, how this has gone in your life, okay? But maybe this is your prayer right now. God, I'm sorry for all the ways I've fallen short. Thank you that you have not fallen short. You haven't given up on me. Jesus, I accept that you died and you rose from the dead. I believe it, and I believe that you are Lord of all. I accept you as my Lord, not just the Lord of all creation, my Lord and Lord and leader of my life. I accept the free gifts of forgiveness, new life, and eternal life. Jesus, will you fill me with the Holy Spirit so that I can have power to follow you today and forever? Thank you that you always receive me, Jesus. 
I receive you. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, um, put it on your connection card or let me know or let one of your prayer people know. We would love to support you in that. I love the, uh, the possibility that there is some sort of loud uh, erupting noise in heaven every time something like that happens. God's goodness is not only free, it's also boundless. There is no end to it. Life on this earth is not easy, and none of us are spared from difficulty and loss. Have you noticed that? I mean, there are friends of mine who are dealing with big difficulties, even now, even this week. And I just had some friends who had a loss in the family this week, right? It's happening all the time. We don't really get spared of it. But God wants to fill more and more of your life with goodness that never ends, that isn't only linked to our circumstances. Jesus does something for us on the cross, but also does something to us when we accept him. And we don't always think about the what Jesus does to us part. Through Jesus, God turns you into a priest. Did you know that? It's the fulfillment of the promise that we read in 2 Chronicles. It doesn't matter what you've done or how far you've run away. Jesus wants to include you in his work in the world. He does that by making you a priest who connects the world to the goodness of God. He's calling us to be go-betweens, to be mediators, just like Jesus is. And that's what the Apostle Peter means in 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10, when he speaks. He's speaking to the people he's writing to, but he's also speaking to all Christians that come later. So that includes us. He says this, you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. So when we choose to become disciples of Jesus and we give our lives to him and we become God's very own possession, that's strong language, isn't it? Like, you know, that's really how it works, though. I say, God, you are the Lord of my life. I am your, like, possession. I'm trusting everything about me and my life to you. That's what this is. When that happens, we step out of our own story whether it's been a horrible story that we were trying to get out of or whether it was one that we were trying to construct for ourselves that we thought was pretty good, we step out of whatever story we were in and we step into God's story. That's what is happening. And it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we join Jesus by loving as he loves and showing the world around us God's goodness. So the end of the story is a new heaven and a new earth. It's a free and boundless God with God's free and boundless people. And we get to be together and do whatever God has for us forever. It's not going to be sitting on a cloud with a harp, whatever the cartoons told you. I don't know exactly what it's going to be, but we're going to be doing things together with God in perfect relationship forever. But maybe you'd say to me, Justin, I feel so far from free and boundless sometimes. And when people interact with me, 
a good portion of the time, they probably don't experience God's goodness. And that's okay. Because that's why Jesus has come. To set you free and to make his goodness boundless in you. You know? Sometimes our goodness gets bound up and it doesn't make it out. God wants to make our, uh, his goodness boundless in us. It's a work in progress. If you've been doing this for a while, you know that it's a work in progress, don't you? But God promises to complete the, word or the work that he starts. That is God's promise to you and me. If he starts it, he's going to complete it. He's good for it. So I had you think of a favorite song earlier, and now I want you to think of something else. This one's going to be a little bit harder. Also, probably something you might not want to yell out loud, okay? I'm going to invite you right now to think about a place in your life where you feel bound up, okay? I'll give you a second. Where's a place in your life where you feel bound up? God, in your goodness, would you show us where we're bound up, where you want to help us? As I was praying this week, um, I had some thoughts that I think might be God thoughts, might be for particular people here today. Um, I felt like uh, there was someone who has a lot of trouble expressing uh, words of love uh, to people that are close to them that they care about. It's like the goodness that they feel in their heart can't make it to their words. Because there's just some kind of like bound thing. It's being embarrassed or not wanting to be vulnerable or something like that. But the words of love that are like in the heart don't make it out. God sees you and wants to help you. And I think that if you got prayer today, God would help you. Okay? Uh, it might not be your words. It might be the acts of kindness. I think um, I had a sense. Sometimes I feel these things in my body. It was like if, if you find yourself sometimes in situations where you see something that you'd like to do for somebody, a way that you want to reach out, and something in you goes like a fear or um, you stop and you go, oh, I'm not going to do it, right? Nobody else really knows that you didn't do it, but you know that you didn't do it and you feel like you wish you had, right? God sees that and he loves you and he wants to help you. He wants to help that goodness make it past the boundary. And I also thought about, um, you know, the stats say that a whole lot of people, um, you know, really struggle in bondage to pornography. And there's a lot of shame around that. But the, the thing is, it's the thing underneath it that we think that whatever we're going to is trying to fix, right? Normally, it's, you know, when you feel stressed out, when you feel lonely, that might be a go-to. Um, God doesn't want you to be in bondage to that. He wants you to be free, right? Um, it'd be a good thing to get prayer for that. And there is no shame in that. We all have stuff that, God, um, that we need God's help with. The last thing that I had a sense of is uh, something around performance. Um, Anyone who really tries so hard, it's almost like their life depends upon them performing well enough, okay? There's like actually an internal thing that's happening where it's like, oh, I have to, I'm compelled to do really, really well because it has to do with your identity and wanting to make sure that you're okay. And I think that God wants you to be free from that. Of course, it's great to do the best that you can, 
but it's not all riding on it. That would be what the Lord says to you. It's not all riding on it. Okay? Jesus, the risen high priest of, of all creation, has authority to forgive and power to heal everything. Okay? And so what I'd like to do is the things that you thought of, um, we're just going to take a moment to silently offer those to God and see if the Holy Spirit will rest on us and, and God's goodness would come to you, okay? I'm going to offer you, uh, uh, invite you to stand as you're able. We'll have the worship team come up to at this point. And if the prayer people could get ready, um, that would be awesome, okay? So this is our time to be reminded and just think about the place where we might feel bound up. A lot of times there's a big temptation to run away from those things. A lot of times our areas of like brokenness and sin are when we're dealing with a place where we're bound, right? And instead of pushing in and going to God, we go to the other thing. So this is an opportunity to take it directly to God and see what God might say or do for you, okay? All right, let's just close our eyes. You could actually put your hands out in front of you if you just want to say, God, I'm open to your goodness resting upon me. So come, Holy Spirit. Jesus, we acknowledge you. This is just a simple prayer. God, we're grateful that you are free and boundless. We invite your free and boundless goodness to increase and to rest upon us and to sink deep into our hearts, to heal us and to change us. Thank you, God. Make us free and boundless too. And however it works for you to just maybe agree with the Lord, whether it's like, yes, Lord, or um, I say yes to you again today, Lord. Um, that's a great thing to do in this place. And if the Lord's doing something with you, just stick with that. Um, I'm just going to kind of transition us into our next part. But don't let, uh, you know, it's most important to be with uh, the Lord when the Lord's doing something. So don't let me distract you if that's what's happening for you. We do end our services with a time to respond to God in worship and communion and prayer. And then the worship team will lead us in a couple songs and then you know, take us into communion. And during that, that, any of this time, you can also come forward and receive prayer from our prayer team people who are trained. You might want to get prayer for one of the things that God is doing with you right now. But we also just believe that God brings healing and provision in any way that you need. And it makes a difference when we pray and when somebody prays for you. So do take a, um, advantage of the opportunity to come forward and get prayer as we worship and do communion. Okay? The worship team will lead us in the songs and they'll lead us through it well and they'll let us know when it's time to go. God, thank you for your presence here in this place right now. We lift up your name, Jesus. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And uh, I speak blessing over every single one of you here in this room, friends. May you have whatever the Lord has for you. May the goodness of God fall upon you and stay upon you and increase upon you today and for the rest of your life. 
in Jesus' name. I've got some tips. You could read one, uh, 1 Peter 2 through 9 to be reminded of being a priest, being called to be a priest. If you want to pray, you can pray for anything in this broken world, even if it's within you, and ask the Holy Spirit, just like we're doing today, ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill you because it requires the power of God to do the things that God calls us to do. He wants to help us. And then your do is kind of simple and kind of hard at the same time. As you experience the goodness of God, function and live as a priest this week and show the world, show somebody around you the love of God. A tiny thing makes a difference. So whether it's small or big, bless you in Jesus' name to receive the love and goodness of God and share it with somebody or a lot of people around you this week. Bless your friends. Let's worship. So as we do this next song, we're going to continue to focus on the goodness of God.